baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Talk some hockey, and when we do that, there's only one person uh, I want to talk hockey with, and that is the voice of the Capitals forever. That would be Joe Beninati. Uh, the Caps right now six points out of the final wild card spot uh, for Eastern Conference playoff position. They are ten points behind the third spot in their division. Uh, they have faced, as I mentioned earlier in the show, a brutal schedule here recently playing the best teams in the league really in six out of their last seven games. Joe joins us now courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. Before we get to the prospects of, you know, 30 games left and perhaps a run into contention and a run into the postseason, what's changed about Alex Ovechkin over the last six games? Skating better, feeling better, a little bit more confident. And when they start to go for him, he's so streaky Uh, that he tends to explode. So it's nice to see him on one of these goal-scoring tears. I think it's six straight games now. And he's been playing consistently better for about a month, I'd say, Kev. And uh, I just think when you watch him, when he's not contributing, it seems as if the skating stride is nowhere near as explosive or as deep or as powerful. And I think that just all adds up. This is a 38-year-old player who's given every ounce of energy over that time that he's been in the league now, some 19 seasons. And the wear and tear on the body is such that, you know, when you're playing three games in four nights, four games in six nights, he just can't be as explosive, as powerful as he used to be. And more than anything, I think you might see it just on his own uh, physical game, Kevin, right? He's been known not only for the incredible goal scoring totals and all that stuff, but he's known to run guys through the boards his hitting is down. His numbers are still good, but the, the amount of bone-jarring, board-rattling hits that he throws is down. And I, I, we were talking with Bruce Boudreau recently about it, and Gabby's like, yeah, I wish he would hit some more because when he hits more, he gets into the game more. Is the power play different for him than it was in the past? Yeah, they're, they've tried, they're trying to make some adjustments. They are. Uh, Kirk Muller will be the assistant coach in charge of that. And he'll tell you that schematically they're trying to do some different things. Positionally, they're trying to do some different things. And, um, and over time, I think over the course of the last, again, I'm going to go month, probably six weeks out, you know, they've been more consistently a threat. First three months of the season, Kevin, that power play was, you know, they'd all say it. They, it was dreadful. There, were, there wasn't much to hang your hat on there. Lately, they've been better. I think positionally they're changing some things. You see them going through different sequences. That includes rotating Alex out of, quote-unquote, his office, his sweet spot, rotating him more up top. Occasionally you'll see him where John Carlson normally lives. Occasionally you'll see Alex more on the goal line, a little different treatment to try and give penalty killers something else to think of. Talking to Joe B. Uh, your big picture thoughts on him chasing down Gretzky right now, mid-February, with him on this role, are what? 
I feel better now. I think we all do feel a little bit better now than we did in the first few months. It's just so odd to see uh, Alex Ovechkin for a time there in single digits. And while there are other guys in the league who are, had 30 and 40 goals, it's just, it's stunning. Right. Um, I, I do. I, I still believe that over the course of his contract, he's going to get there. He's going to figure out a way to get there. Um, spells like these help. Obviously, if, you know, fingers crossed, if Alex can get to 20, mid-20s this year, then again, you start doing the math and you go, oh, okay, this is doable if, knock on wood, he stays in good health. I think everything is related to uh, his physical being, how fit he is, how strong he feels, how achy he is. And this is something that I've told you for as long as you've been interviewing me, Kevin, I've said to you, this is an amazing athlete for his ability to play through pain well those pains add up and it's 38 years old now and it's going to be 39 it's going to be 40 Uh, how is the body going to respond the shot's never going away the shot will always keep him in a goal scoring discussion you know you think about it he, he has what he has right now and i think of at least i don't know eight nine ten posts that could have would have should have I think of the other goals, there have been other goals that have been overturned due to offside challenges and goalie interferences and all. You know, the number could be higher than it is right now, and we wouldn't be having so much focus upon it. But it was sold for so long in single digits, and it wasn't the normal Alex Ovechkin so super impactful on games that we're wondering, geez, is it safe? Is the Gretzky record safe? Spells like these make you think and make you remember this guy is so highly volatile, he's likely to get there over the course of the next two seasons plus. If there needs Joe, to be is a it plus. an accurate analogy to say that, you know, in basketball, if you're a shooter, it doesn't matter if you're out, you know, at the park with your grandson at 75 years old, you can still shoot the basketball. Once a shooter, always a shooter. Is it the same? Is it analogous in hockey to somebody who can shoot the puck and has been a great shooter throughout his career? Will Alex Ovechkin be able to come out at 65 years old and just strike him from, you know, uh, from the wing into the net over and over again? If it's the one-time shot that he's so familiar with, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I'm not asking but the I, 75-year-old to break somebody off the dribble, you know, in a step go. back. But I'm talking about playing horse. But that's the difference. That's what's happened now is that he does not create his own shot. If we're yeah. going to use basketball parlance, right. he's not creating his own shot as much. But when he does get the chance for one-timers, those are still lethal. And I think you're seeing more set plays off of offensive zone faceoffs where all of a sudden he crosses, there's like a scissor action, and he creates another snapshot right off the draw that, again, can overwhelm goalies. I think more and more in the future, Alex will park himself in front of the cage at 230 pounds and be hard to move. Deflections, rebounds, tips. Those aren't Alex Ovechkin-type goals, but they will probably be incorporated more into his arsenal as time continues to tick. But from a, from a pure, let's put some pucks on the ice and watch people shoot, his shot's overwhelming. It's, it's unbelievable how the puck explodes off of his stick. It's just, it's rare. It's unique. It's 800-plus worth goals of unique, and I don't think he'll ever, ever lose that part of his game. No. We're talking to Joe Beninati, of course. Um, so here we are, 52 games into the season, 30 left. Uh, I laid out where they are standings-wise. 
They've got a negative 37 goal differential. I think it's the second worst in the Eastern Conference. Why are they where they are now? Because they've been able to win some close games. You know, I, I look at the standings. You're looking at the standings, too, and you're sitting there going, how can they do that and be minus 37? They're really battle-tested in a lot of one-goal games. They've won, I think they have 13 one-goal wins of their 23, and that includes things that are past overtime or past regulation, I should say. So they win some close games. When they lose, they tend to get blown out. That's why you get that minus 37. But I, I like the way you laid it out at the top, Kevin, because I think it's a real discussion point. I don't know. I don't know if the wild card is your aspiration. I think the Caps or anybody in the Metro, I, I don't feel very confident after third place in the Metro. I have a feeling two wild cards are going to come out of the Atlantic. So I don't know if you're going to get that wild card spot. You may need to chase down Philadelphia currently in third place, and there are four Metro teams that want to do that. Jersey, the Islanders, uh, the Penguins, the Caps, those are all teams in the Metro that are trying to chase down uh, a third-place spot in the Metro. That may be the best way to get there. Uh, the, the Caps' schedule is, I mean, just look at March. Good God, 15 games in 30 days in March. There's nothing easy about this schedule. Uh, Mike Vogel brought it to our attention when there were 35 games left. They were going to play those 35 games in 71 days. It is a demanding ask, and not only is it a lot of games in a short amount of time, but it's quality of competition. You're coming off of that spell that you were talking about addressing where you started with uh, Florida, Boston, Vancouver, Colorado. I thought they played extremely well. There are a lot of people who are sitting there go, yeah. wow, the Caps are going to get roasted in that stretch. They played well. They didn't win those games aside from the Boston shutout, but they played well. They competed. They're not giving up at all. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because going back three weeks, it's Colorado, Dallas, you had Montreal there, but then it was Florida, Boston, Vancouver, and Colorado, yeah. and they were competitive in pretty much all of the games except for the first one against Colorado. So despite this, you know, eight and nine, you know, games uh, in terms of losses, do you think they're playing better than their current, you know, run indicates? Yes, the answer to that is yes, but still you've got to score goals. Yeah. And this has been this team's sore spot from the outset. Uh, they are the lowest scoring team in the Eastern Conference. There for so many times, Kevin, and so many years in the past, the expression was, ah, don't worry, they can outscore their deficiencies. They can outscore their problems. Well, these days they're not outscoring that those types of things. If they make mistakes in games and they allow three or four, it's usually – lights out they know they've got to win games 2-1 1-0 3-2 max and I think what what may be happening I think Spencer Carberry attributed some of this Carberry said you know we we're trying to score goals we're taking chances more risks and we're forgetting that you know at the at the core we should be trying to win win games 2-1 if they try to go for that third and fourth goal they tend to leave themselves susceptible to counter strikes and when that happens and you're playing the the brass of the league all of a sudden, you can't do that. You make mistakes against Florida, Colorado, Vancouver. They're going to make you pay. So the trade deadline, I think, is you know, first week in March, somewhere around there, March 7th or March 8th. I think they've got six or seven games prior to then. Maybe the results of these six or seven games will kind of dictate their uh, their mindset at the trade deadline. But as we sit here today – 
Uh, what do you think their mindset will be? Is a guy like Mantha potentially on the trade block? Uh, how do you view that? I would say, you know, the deadline is March 8th, and President and GM Brian McClellan looked at the schedule and actually pointed to this past stretch of four games and said, you know what, this is going to have a, a strong inclination as to where I'm going in the buyer-seller world. And they, You're so talking they about the Florida-Boston, Vancouver-Colorado yeah, run, the four that they right just played. Now, Yeah, unfortunately, you've lost eight of nine. And if you're going to take a cold, hard look at we've lost eight of nine, then you're going to go into that seller brigade. If all of a sudden they rip off five straight wins here, that might change Brian's approach. I think the question is how if they're going to tear it down, how deep will will ownership and management allow to be this tear down? Uh, I think the the unrestricted free agents, sure, you've you've heard all of those names. Uh, Edmondson on the back end. Uh, Pacioretty, if he would waive his right. no trade clause, uh, Mantha is on that is in that UFA pool. The question is, I, I keep seeing people talking about, hey, is Charlie Lindgren available? Hey, is Nick Dowd's going to be way available on on March eighth? He'll bring bring back the the greatest return. I don't know if those guys are in the hopper yet. I don't know if if Brian McClellan's talking about that yet. How deep will the teardown be? If it will only be guys who aren't under contract next year then you've heard the names who are likely to be bandied about. Uh, if it goes deeper than that, then I, I'm anxious to see how far they can cut. But this is the kind of situation you're in. I, if things continue to spiral the wrong way, then obviously they'll be in the seller's market. But for right now, you know, six points out of a, a wild card, 10 points behind third place, I don't know if it's time to say, yeah, we're done. Because they have played well in these games against the best teams in the leagues. Joe, they've come up short. They lose. Okay, fine. I understand that. If they continue to lose to lesser lights, then yes, Brian's decision will be much, I think, more simple. And then the the phone will be busy. Yeah, I would think that the loss out of the All-Star break uh, and a one-sided loss to Montreal was the one that really uh, hurts more than the others. Yeah, that didn't feel good. That was a kick in the pants for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And you're, you're um, playing Montreal on Saturday night, so let's yeah. see. And and you've got you know some games against teams in front of you like Detroit and Philadelphia. You mentioned coming up in the next week and a half. Uh, always gotta, enjoy gotta the have comp- those straight up. Yeah, you gotta have, have to. those straight up. Yeah, um, I think they play Philly twice or three times. I was looking at that when you mentioned that that's the team, but they also have Detroit three times, and that that's a team they're really chasing down as mm-hmm. well. Um, and it's love been the, the conversation mid January. Detroit's been really good since mid-January. It's it's, yeah. it's going to be all about the schedule and, and how well they can win these low-scoring games. Well, look, you know, if you make a run, and it doesn't matter in the NHL whether you're the eight seed or the two seed, just try to get in, and I think it's you know important for them right now to not have two seasons go by without postseason games. Uh, but it'll be a tough stretch here for them. But as always, I appreciate your candor and your time. Hope you're well. Talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Same here. Joe Beninati, everybody. We'll do some Denton news next, and then we'll go out to Kansas City and talk to our friend Steven Spector about what happened yesterday uh, in KC. Uh, we'll talk some football as well. Kevin Sheehan Show, the Team 980 and the Team 980com
Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hitting the news you might have missed. It's Denton's Daily News. All right, Denton, are you going to kick it off with winner, winner last night with for our, our dinner? Our Detroit Mercy, <laughs> the Owen 26 team that was a five and a half point favorite at home against IUPUI, won by 15. I hope everybody listened to us. I gave that out on, I did a couple different hits yesterday as well on 106.7 on the betting network that we have at Odyssey, gave it out there as well so hopefully everybody got on it um just so everybody understands what we're talking about detroit mercy uh from the horizon league played iupui last night that's indiana purdue at indianapolis university in a conference matchup detroit mercy heading into the game was zero and 26 on the season we talked about it yesterday and yet they were a five and a half point favorite last night at home against IUPUI. Um, So, of course, I bet it. Uh, By the way, it went off at 6. I mean, there was sharp money along with us pushing the number to 6. Do you know how that game started off? It was 11 to nothing Detroit Mercy (laughs) to start. And I was like, this is just too easy. Uh, They were up 15 at halftime. They were never, ever threatened. They won by 15 uh, going away. Um, it is weird, man, over the years in discussing sort of the contrarian sort of looking at a, a point spread and saying, how did Vegas come up with that one? That team hasn't won a game. They're zero and 26. How could they be favored over anybody? And not only favored, by the way, it's not like they were a two point favorite. They were a five and a half, six point favorite. And just so everybody understands, as we've been talking about for years, they de- they don't make big mistakes in Vegas. They make mistakes every once in a while. The public wins. They didn't win some, then they'd stop playing. Um, but man, uh, that was that was satisfying last night because I gave it out. You and I gave it out on the show. We gave I gave it out on the podcast. I had friends of mine going. Did I hear you say Detroit? Who are they? I said just play them. But, you know, there was a limit um, for some people, let me just say, on the size bet you could place, <laughs> which actually probably was safe anyway um, for a game like Did that. Did you see but, the yeah. ending of the game? I, what, the, the one person the from one, the crowd that stormed the floor? The one fan that stormed <laughs> the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did see that. Uh, Detroit Mercy, by the way, I want to say it was – Maybe two years ago, um, they had they had like the leading score in the country. The yes. guy he's playing in the NBA right now. Um, oh man, I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, Antoine Davis. Antoine Davis. Yeah, good call. I think he I think he was the leading scorer in the country last year. Yeah, and and correct me if I'm wrong. I think his father is the was the head coach. Uh, that I'm that. not sure. All right. What else? Um, so yesterday, we'll stick with basketball in the NBA. Isaiah Stewart, 
prior to the game between the other Detroit team, the Detroit Pistons and the Phoenix Suns, punched Drew Eubanks in the tunnel. So this has not been shared on social media. I'm sure it will once TMZ eventually finds its way uh, to get the video. But Isaiah Stewart punched Drew Eubanks. He's now being charged with assault. If you are not aware of who Isaiah Stewart is, uh, he was the Pistons player that yeah. fought everybody in an attempt to get his hands around LeBron James after right. LeBron James was not very nice to him. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. We haven't seen this. I just read what you, you know, just laid out before the show. Um, man, uh, the Pistons, uh, and it's really a shame because I love Monty Williams, uh, their head coach, who's obviously been around the league, and he's coaching this horrible team. He was coaching the Suns a few years ago. He had a terrible tragedy as well, losing his wife uh, a couple of years ago. I, I um. So just a bad situation in Detroit uh, with with the Pistons. They've actually been more competitive uh, in recent weeks um, in their games, but um, yeah, I don't know. Is that was it a felony? Uh, was it a felony charge or misdemeanor? If it's assault, it's felony, right? Yeah, I Is believe it... if it's assault, it's it's felony. Mm-hmm. Maybe Neil and Rockville can look up something on this. And um, he's the one guy that even Draymond Green is scared of in the NBA. What'd you say? He's one of the guys that Draymond Green is even scared yeah, of in scored. the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by the way, did you did you watch your Clippers last night? Big comeback uh, win after Ty Lue gets ejected. Yeah, Kawhi was actually not playing. Um, surprise, surprise. He's injured a little bit. And they're going to rest him through the All-Star break and bring him back afterwards. Apparently, it's not uh, serious. I did watch some of this game. Let me just tell you that that they, there was a run by Golden State at one point to go up nine. I thought they were going to win this game going away, so I did not stay up for the fourth quarter when apparently Norman Powell went off for the Clippers uh, and George uh, had a big game, and they came back because Golden State had won like six in a row, was it? Five in a row, six in a row, something like that. Um, and they were favored last night uh, in the game um, with Kawhi out. Uh, good win for the Clippers. I'm telling you, the West, when we get there, when we get there in April and May, it's going to be – some of these series are going to be so intense and so tight and so hard to predict uh, as well. Um, it'll be fun. They, uh, they um, That's a good win for them. And Golden State's still sitting there in kind of that play-in territory with the Lakers. How about the Celtics beating the Nets by 50? 50. Peyton Pritchard led all scores with 28 points, but you didn't expect his name to be the leading scorer. Yeah, I, I read that this is the uh, this is only the third time, I think, in NBA history that a team has multiple 50-point wins in a season. You know, you're going to see more of these lopsided results because of um, because of the the points that are being scored in these games, you know, there's so much offensive explosiveness in in these games. The Celtics beat Indiana early in the season, one fifty five to one oh four. All right, that was a fifty one point win. This is their second fifty point win in the season, one thirty six to eighty six. And when you've got a team like like Boston who you know regularly goes for a buck thirty or a buck forty or more, it seems like you're going to have nights where the other team's down by twenty, down by thirty, and just says, "Yeah, let's put in you know let's put in the scrubs," and it can get completely out of hand. It's amazing the scoring going on. I have not read. There was a really in depth story um, by what's his face on uh, I'm forgetting his name now. The guy that. 
uh, writes a lot of the analytics stuff, NBA stuff for ESPN, but about scoring and why it's up, it's been on my list to get to here. I want to see what the uh, the answer is, but points are ridiculous. I mean, 136 for the Celtics is nothing, um, but they held the Nets to 86. Anything else? Yeah, final thing here. Uh, big news for the video game community. Uh, college Football 25, EA Sports College Football 25 is coming. They just released a trailer. Uh, they have a full reveal in May. All of their logos have changed on social media. I don't, I don't, are you a gamer? What does this mean? Are you a gamer at all? No, I'm not a no. gamer. So no, we, I'm an adult. The You'd love this game, I promise <laughs> you. Um so back in the day, there was you have Madden, where you also had an NCAA football. Look, I I say that I, I was big into Tiger Woods golf when my kids were you know addicted to Tiger Woods golf. Um, by the way, the FIFA game, which was their favorite, uh, which always surprised me, the NFL game and the college football game. I did you know there were nights. My sons will tell you. Yeah, I came down late at night and dad was playing Tiger Woods golf <laughs> by himself. So, yes, I, I'm familiar with it, but I have veered away from it here in recent years. So give me the significance of what you're talking about. So we lost NCAA football after NCAA, I think it was 14, with Denard Robinson on the cover because oh, of yeah. the NIL stuff, right? Like you couldn't yeah. make a game without paying the players, so they disbanded it. Well, now that NIL is back, it's been 11 long years Personally, NCAA football was always better than Madden. There's just so many different things you could do with it. So many different things you could do. I I remember – okay, now uh, some memories are coming back. I remember having – when I played that game with my sons, I always had Air Force and (laughs) ran the triple option over and over again and always did well with it. I'm bringing the championship home to Lynchburg, Virginia. Liberty is winning a a national championship (laughs) when I get my hands on this football game. All right. What else? That's all I got. Good for you. I'm happy for you and all of the people that get college football back. Um, by the way, when's Tiger Ting off today? He tees off in just under an hour, 12, 25 Eastern time at the Genesis. All right. Get to see Tiger at Riviera, uh, the Genesis. Uh, who did you take this week? I did take a sprinkler on Tiger. I think I'm on Scotty Scheffler. I'm on um, – I have a lot of bets. Uh, what's the what's the British guy's name? Little British guy, Matty, uh, Matt something. I'm on him in top Fitzpatrick. Team. Yeah, Matt Fitzpatrick. He looks like yeah. he builds computers, but he's a really good golfer. Yeah, um, I in my big pool. Uh, I have Jordan Spieth this week. He's actually been playing pretty well, um, but it'll be fun to see Tiger. Let's see if he can make the cut. By the way, I did read that. Um, a lot of uh, sports books, their biggest liability this weekend with no football is Tiger winning <laughs> the Genesis. I got him. They don't want to see that happen. One. Well, I'm sorry. I got him 170 to one. Yeah, they they do not want to see Tiger win this tournament. He probably won't. Uh, for those uh, interested uh, in golf. All right. Up next, we go out to Kansas City. Our good friend Steven Spector, who runs 610 Kansas City Sports will join us to tell about yet yeah, to tell us about uh what was just a tragic day uh at their victory parade. Uh that's next. Kevin Sheehan show, the team nine eighty and the team nine eighty dot com. Well, we went from Sunday's incredible Super Bowl, very memorable Super Bowl, to a victory parade that was marred by horror and tragedy. One dead, twenty one others wounded mm-hmm. by gunfire 
in what turned out to be a mass shooting at the end of the Chiefs Super Bowl parade yesterday in downtown Kansas City. Jumping on with us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline, is our good friend Steven Spector. Steven's been with, on with us many times in the past. He is the program director, runs 610 Sports KC, uh, has been out there for a while. Um, just, you know, I'm curious because, and I did not ask you this in, in texting you, were you guys out there live? We were, um, we had our, our midday show on from 10 to two central time. It was, we were broadcasting about four blocks away along the parade route. So, um, we, we were live and we were carrying everything live as everything unfolded, the, the speeches, and we were just going back to regularly scheduled programming when, Everything began to unfold, but um, yeah, we were we were down there. We had other staff members off air, people in the promotions department very close by. So uh, certainly a day that touched a lot of the people in in this cluster um, very closely. We had you know friends, family, uh, kids of of employees all down there, uh, hoping to celebrate a a Chiefs dynasty, and um, they did until two o'clock, and uh, then everything went sideways. Steven, were you there or were you back at the station? I was back at the station coordinating everything. Uh, so we had just sent down our midday show, um, Cody and Alex, who were who were there from 10 to 2 along the parade route. So from the perspective of all of your people that were there, just describe, you know, when did you guys realize something was wrong and something was happening? And then look, for a program director of – a radio station, sports or otherwise. I mean, it's 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 live programming. Um, it, it was probably uh, it's probably pretty harried for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those days you you don't plan for, right? You as you know, you have a, a rundown and you know what you're going to talk about. And two minutes before you take the air, it's um, all thrown out the window. So just because I'm I'm sure everybody listening probably wasn't watching live like we were. You know, Travis Kelsey wraps up kind of his his speech around 145, 150, somewhere in there. And about three or four minutes later, um, we get the reports of shots fired, and we're we're changing over from middays to afternoons. And and again, we we had a, a show planned, and um, we we threw that show out the window. And um, you know, the amazing power of social media. It's you know, it can certainly be a accessible at times, but it was, you know, stories were coming in fast and rapid and um, we're potting up our, our local news coverage, which did a tremendous job yesterday. We're getting stories from on the ground. We're reading tweets and, um, you know, instead of talking about, you know, Chris Jones saying he's coming back for a, a three-peat, uh, we were talking about something completely different and it happened all about in the span of three to four minutes. I mean, literally, um, these reports came in three minutes after the Chiefs had departed the stage, and uh, it just everything happened so quickly. And um, all you can do is read and react in in that kind of four to five hour time span. I don't want, I don't want to put you on a on the spot and 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 ask you to give us like the latest report if you don't have it. I mean, we, you know, we've been reading uh, all of us who have been following the story. We know that three people were detained, but what is the latest in terms of numbers? Um, and then the shooters. And anything on motive yet? Nothing. Um, at least nothing that we have or nothing that I have. Um, it's been fairly quiet overnight into this morning. Um, they're still doing a, 
it's a big crime scene um, around the parade and around Union Station. So no new information as of last night and of this morning. I know the mayor's set to speak here very shortly. I know the FBI um, in Kansas City, the field office here is asking people for um, videos to send in so they can help paint a better picture of the events that unfolded yesterday. But um, what you know is what I know at the moment. I think everybody's seen that that video that went viral of, you know, at least one of the gunmen being chased down by by a couple of gentlemen in the crowd. It was chaos, but they were able to, I mean, it's, it's certainly one of the more heroic uh, acts. I mean, you never know how you're going to react in that uh, time frame, but um, there were probably uh, lives uh, saved or certainly um, major injuries saved from that. And I know that you had one of those people actually call into the show. How did they describe it? Yeah. Um, and for anybody who's interested, they can obviously go to our, our Twitter account. We put up kind of an audiogram where you can listen to his call. But um, yeah, uh, I'm a guy named Tony with, um, you know, he didn't want to give out his full information, but said he had a military background and had just kind of noticed something suspicious going on. And, um, you know, he said that he saw someone fleeing and it happened to be one of the people we don't really know yet, whether it was a victim or one of the shooters, but um, who had been shot through the jaw. And he, um, in, in some of those videos, you can see him frantically pointing at the person trying to run away and flagging down police. And um, some more brave Kansas Cityans brought that person to the ground and detained him. Um, and so he called in yesterday and gave us a live account. And, you know, he just kind of, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I guess, put words in his mouth, but he said using his military background, um, you know, it just, his, his instincts kicked in and um, he hopefully, you know, prevented uh, someone from getting away. If In fact, that was one of the people involved in the incident. So pretty harrowing stuff and some, some pretty great actions taken by uh, Kansas Cityans to, to help the police in a, in a moment of need. It's pretty amazing, right, the last 72 hours to go from the euphoria of one of the more memorable Super Bowl games. Certainly, you know, as I've I described it, I thought the last 90 minutes of that game were as memorable as any Super Bowl. Uh, we'll remember that forever. And then to have this, I mean, just the up and down, the roller coaster nature. I mean, what a week uh, for people. What's just been the what, what was the reaction? You guys, I'm sure we're taking calls all day. Um, just kind of describe it the best you can. Yeah, uh, I think it's anger, honestly. Um, you know, as, as you said, it's an incredible football game on Sunday night. And Wednesday was supposed to be a coronation of a dynasty, right? I mean, not to talk about sports at a time like this, but, you know, there was debate going up until that game, whether the Chiefs were, quote unquote, a dynasty. And uh, they answered that question. And then, the parade, you know, we've had one in 2020 and 2023, and those were bitter cold days. And any fan going out there was a diehard Chiefs fan. And yesterday we get a 70-degree day in the middle of February. Wow. And it was it was just supposed to be a coronation. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who are angry. And, again, not to get too much into the nitty-gritty of Kansas City politics and, and stuff like that, but um, people – want change. And uh, I think the the main emotion that I can express from our callers this morning is just anger um, towards people who can do something about it. And then just people who 
um, wanted to take their kids or celebrate their favorite football team um, winning three championships in five years. Anger is the best way that I can describe our callers this morning. Talking to Stephen Spector, Stephen uh, runs 610 Sports KC in Kansas City. Stephen was a producer here at 980 for many years before he left uh, now over a decade ago to head to Kansas City to be the sports director in a town where his favorite team uh, resided. Um, And he's been there for this incredible run. Uh, Can we talk a little football? Yeah, totally. Let's do it. It so, would take our mind off it for a little yeah. bit at least. So, I mean, how much of the reaction to the win was Mahomes versus – I can't believe that Kyle took the ball in overtime. <laughs> uh, it was 50-50, honestly, because um, we – like I, you were watching the game. None of us could figure out why Kyle – took the ball just even from a a viewer perspective and then the the news starts trickling out Sunday night into Monday morning that the players didn't know and they were unprepared on the San Francisco side meanwhile Chris Jones said they've been talking about this for two weeks Um, and then the audio surfaces of Mahomes saying I can't believe they did that yeah so that was certainly I think story 1b story 1a is Pat I mean you know, we can, you and I have talked for probably five years about these Super Bowls and how great he is and the Jordan and the Brady comparisons. But what he did at the end of the fourth quarter and then the overtime drive, I mean, it just cements how great and where his place is in NFL history, right? I mean, maybe he'll never catch Brady, but I, I just, I watch these moments and I, I got to think he's the best to ever do it. Um, and he may never get to seven. That's fine. Uh, he's the greatest quarterback that I've ever seen. And under the most intense situations to do it in back-to-back drives um, as a Chiefs fan and just someone who works in sports, I, I'm just, I keep thinking I'm never going to be, I, I can't get over the shock and awe of how good he is. And then he goes and do, does something like that on Sunday night. I mean, let me just tell you that, you know, Tom Lavero, who you know very well, Tommy, you know, whenever these conversations break out, he'll say, well, don't forget Otto Graham, you know, or no, Sammy Ball. No. Tommy Tommy says, uh, no, it's over. He's the greatest I have ever watched. I can say that. I'm. This is no time for, you know, get off my lawn, kids. Uh, Mahomes is the greatest ever that he's ever watched. And I think for a lot of us that would love to say, yeah, but, you know, Brady's still the greatest winner, and I watched Brady, and Brady was great inside the pocket. No, oh, by the way, there are other guys we're not mentioning. No. Uh, no. At 28, uh, three of them – and it just doesn't seem like – I mean, it could end. This could be it. And six years from now, if he doesn't have another AFC championship game appearance or another Super Bowl appearance, we can reconsider. But in the moment, I think what we've seen for six years in terms of the eye test is certainly debatably the greatest we've ever seen. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And, and you know, listen – Seven, like Brady skewed our perception of how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. I mean, seven to win seven is insane. And again, maybe Pat will never get seven. But just the pure eye test, I think there's no question that through age 28 and through six seasons of being a start in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes is probably the greatest to ever do it. Um, 
And we've kind of used the comparison here in Kansas City, and you're an NBA fan just like me. Michael Jordan is always going to be the greatest of all time, right? But I, just like you, have watched LeBron over the last 20 years, and LeBron is the greatest basketball player that I've ever seen. And I got to see Jordan towards the end, and I I was a little bit younger. But we've used that comparison here in Kansas City, and I still think that's totally fair, even if LeBron obviously is probably never going to get to the six Jordan titles. I think that's a fair cross-sport comparison to use for Pat versus Brady. I I think that's so funny because I I said to Tommy the other day on on the podcast, I had a friend of mine text me and say, "Um, is Mahomes closer to Brady than LeBron is to Jordan? And I said, absolutely, because I I don't agree with you. I still think Jordan is the best that I've ever seen, and I – you know, remember they're different sports, right? You know, the two quarterbacks are very dependent upon the teams they play on. Um, I, I, I still don't think LeBron's gotten to that killer that Jordan was, and I don't know that I'll ever feel that way about LeBron. But with Mahomes, definitely. I, what I wanted to ask you about this one in particular was this for a Chiefs fan. Was this the most satisfying, given that it seemed to be the most unlikely? That's a really good question. I tend to think the the, the first Super Bowl they beat uh, against San Francisco back in 2020 was the most satisfying because it was the first one in 50 years, and it was new. And for the first time since Len Dawson in the 60s, quarter you know Kansas City had a homegrown drafted quarterback. And even at that point, we still didn't even know how great Pat was despite an MVP and a Super Bowl in his first two seasons as a starter. So I think 2020 is maybe the the best Chiefs fans have ever felt following a Super Bowl victory. But to your point, this was easily the most unexpected because a majority of this fan base, including myself, I'm in that category, wrote this team off after the Christmas Day game against the Raiders. I mean, they looked, you know, they'd lost four yeah. or six. They lost to a bad Raiders team. Pat threw, you know, a bad pick six, a bad fumble for, for a touchdown. Um, this team was finished. And the run that they just went on, you know, they Miami never had a chance in Arrowhead. But to go to Buffalo, to go to Baltimore, and then win in a home crowd environment because San Francisco was about 70%, of that game in Vegas. I mean, it's one of the greatest runs in NFL history, just the teams that they had to go through to win the championship. Was it? I didn't realize it was a 70 30 San Francisco fan to, to Chiefs fan in Vegas. Very heavy San Francisco. Yeah, Interesting. absolutely. I still think the Baltimore win is the most impressive because I just thought Baltimore was the best team and one of the better teams I had watched regular season in years and what they did defensively in that game was incredible by the way I looked this up because the other day I said to Denton we were talking about that Christmas Day game and I said when they lost to the Raiders and Aiden O'Connell threw for like 50 yards I'm like I there was no chance that they were going to the Super Bowl to win it I I went back and looked because I wasn't exactly sure he threw for 62 yards in an NFL game and his team won I mean that's that's pretty amazing he didn't complete a pass the final three quarters. The, the final three quarters. Or the, was yeah, it the final had, three quarters or just the second half? Or maybe it was the second. At this point, I can't even remember. But he, yeah. he like those 62 yards all came in the first quarter. Like it was, it, it was one of the worst losses in the 
read Mahomes era, just given the circumstances of the expectations of where this team is supposed to be every year. So you said that there was excitement before all hell broke loose yesterday because Chris Jones wants to come back. So let me ask you, because to me, he was the second most impactful player on the field Sunday, and I don't even think it's close, um, uh, and, and was so disruptive and has been that way, obviously, in the postseason so many times. If it's him or Snead, is, is it a choice, or do they get them both signed? It, I think that's just gonna, that is going to be the number one time. You know, when we get through all this this week and, you know, we, get, we put yesterday's events behind us, that is going to be the number one topic and has been a talking point throughout most of this past regular season. Um, there's a way they can do both. Um, you know, they could, they could potentially franchise uh, Legereus Sneed and sign Chris Jones and then figure out Legereus Sneed a year later. There's a chance they can bring them both back, but there is a, I would say it's a 50-50 split on what people want, Legereus Sneed versus Chris Jones. Maybe 51-49 Legereus Sneed because of the way the Chris Jones contract pulled out, play, uh, out played out last season, but it's going to be a very, very hotly debated topic here in Kansas City because Legereus needs. Well, which excited. side would you come down on? To me, Jones just has to come back. It's a different defense without him. Yeah, that's true. My fear with Chris Jones is that he's he's at age thirty and he's going to be in a 30, age thirty one season. Now he's great. Um, but just my general principle of paying paying players after 30 uh, makes me really nervous. And if you can sign Legereus Need to a three-year deal and you have Trent McDuffie for three more years on his rookie deal after being a first-round pick, you're solidified a corner and you have the best tandem in the NFL. You can draft pass rush. You can maybe sign a free agent pass rusher. Chris Jones would be a tremendous loss. But if you're telling me I have two lockdown corners, I can work with that while starting a defense. Andy Reid's coming back, right? He's coming back, yep. You have said to me before that Matt Nagy is coaching waiting. Why isn't it Spags? It's another really good question. Um, I think the assumption is that, you know, they want to continue the offensive continuity for Pat. And if, if and when Andy decides to step away, an offensive-minded head coach makes sense. Um, and Matt Nagy, obviously, with the experience of you know his three years in Chicago, say what you want. He, he took Mitch Trubisky to t- two playoff appearances. He's well-respected in the organization and in the locker room. Um, a lot of people just believe that Matt Nagy, also you know the age factor of him versus Spags and sure. um, their age difference is, is part of that. Okay. But I think there's probably more continuity – just keeping yeah, Andy Reid's offense w- with Pat. What about Eric Bieniemy? There were some reports. I mean, we saw that he actually joined the team briefly before the Baltimore game. Do you think Andy will bring him back right now? If he doesn't go there, he may not be employed next year. I'm. It, we're we're having these exact same debates on and off the air here in KC. It's. Uh, I tend to think they can't. I it just. I don't think you can go backwards in that relationship, um, you know, and, and what, what's his place? You know, they Florio and his terrible reporting about it being an assistant coach. Well, Dave Tobe's already the assistant head coach and you yeah, can't under. Not, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a, a whole other issue. Um, you know, but he reported that they would bring him back as an assistant head coach, but that title's already filled. And 
Can you undermine Matt Nagy and his offense? I I just don't think you want to go down that road if you're Andy Reid. So I would bet that that does not happen, but I can see why those rumors would kind of be pervasive in the early parts of this offseason. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit about it here. To me, if Andy doesn't bring him back, he ends up in college more likely than not somewhere. I've always – I think Eric Bieniemy would be a fantastic college coach. I've said that for – as long as he's been trying to get these NFL head coaching jobs. And um, that that's a whole other, other topic. But I think, I think you're right. Like all the offensive coordinator positions have been filled in the NFL. If it's not going to be in Kansas city, he's either going to be unemployed in the NFL or he's got to be having a job in college. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, I know yesterday was a difficult day. Every Everybody, you know, not NFL fans, just everybody in general um, wishes all of you in Kansas city the best. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks. Appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Steven Spector, everybody. The program director runs 610 Sports KC, the big sports talk station in Kansas City. You can follow him on Twitter on X at Steven Spector 10. By the way, he mentioned the audio that surfaced about the coin toss in overtime. I'm going to play some of that for you when we come back. Wait till you hear what Kyle Juszczyk said on the sideline for the 49ers, uh, and the reaction from the Chiefs players when Kyle took the ball. Uh, we'll do that next. Kevin Sheehan showed the Team 980 and the Team 980com